1130 on Monday, the 19th day of April, which means it's time for midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. The whole gang is here today. We're here for Jason Jorgensen in sports, of course, previewing the upcoming basketball game in the NCAA tournament. That will be coming up here in just a couple of hours. Bob Rogan is here to tell us how stocks are performing on this Monday. Of course, we'll hear more about our forecast as a lousy start to our week so far. 30s and 20s out there. Some areas could see up to 8 inches of new snow by tomorrow. More on that with Paul Perkins in the regional ag weather update. But first, let's uh, catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. And Susan, are you guys getting any kind of uh, snow or rain in your area? We are getting snow. They're just the flurries coming down, big fat flakes. And it was kind of funny because the dogs were looking up the sky like, what the heck? <laughs> Saying we're over it. We're over it. They're let's get over to the... it. I'm over it. I think everybody is. I agree. Uh, is it sticking or is it just a little bit of snow? It's just kind of a nuisance. It's just a nuisance. It hits the ground, the sidewalk's wet, but it's not even sticking in the grass right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, the key is right now. Right. Well, yeah, as I said, that will quickly change down the road. What do you have for us coming up on midday today? Well, we'll kick it all off with Alex here at 1219 as she talks with Sharla Huseman, Director of Marketing for the Kansas Beef Council, sharing about her experience in the Great Kansas City Chefs Association's monthly meetings. Then at 1245, Midland University is following other universities and adding more agricultural uh, classes and degrees. We're going to talk more with the chair of the undergraduate business and find out what that all means for Midland University in the fall of 21. And then Chabella will wrap up everything at 117. Women in Ag, she's going to speak with Joyce Entz. We're going to find out how agriculture has shaped her life. So more is coming up from us on the farm team. All right, good stuff. Thank you very much, Susan, and uh, enjoy the snow. Oh, yeah, I will. I love snow, but not now. (laughs) All right, thank you. Let's uh, turn things over to Jason Jorgensen and sports. Uh, A big afternoon coming up for Nebraska volleyball. Yeah, Huskers are in the Elite Eight for the ninth straight time. An old rival and an old foe in front of them today as they take on Texas. Uh, That match, there's not a definite hard start time on it. It starts 45 minutes after the first match of the day, which is going on right now. The best guess would be somewhere between about one thirty and 2 is when the Nebraska-Texas match will start. Of course, you can hear it today on our sister station, Cami Country, and also in the Holdridge area on KUVR. So, go Big Red. Huskers, to this point, have had a, a relatively easy uh, going in the tournament. But today, I don't I don't think it's going to be the same. No, and uh, we'll see if Laura Stiverns can play. She right. didn't play yesterday. They didn't need her against Baylor. We'll get the thoughts of head coach. John Cook. Also, the Lober volleyball team had a great weekend, winning the MIAA Spring Tournament, which counted but didn't didn't really count. We'll get the thoughts of head coach Rick Squires on that. And with just 148 games remaining in this year's Major League Baseball season, the Kansas City Royals own the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball. Mm, congratulations! Just 148 yeah, games yeah. left. No big deal, huh? <laughs> Uh, and something the Rockies, again, do not know anything no, about. No, they, they don't. Uh, goodness gracious. <laughs> miserable, miserable year in front of us. All right, let's turn things over to uh, Bob Brogan. How are stocks? Stocks a little bit lower in trading on Wall Street, pulling the major indexes below the record highs they reached last week. At last check, the Dow's 30 industrials down about 144. British authorities are exploring the possibility of creating a new digital currency that they're going to uh, they're tossing around the idea of calling it Britcoin. So that's one of the stories out there. All right. All that and more coming up on Mid. 
Time for regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins joining us here in the studio. And, well, Paul, we're talking uh, winter-like conditions <laughs> yet again. Yes. Uh, temperatures right now across the area, mostly in the upper 20s to low 30s. Uh, much of northern Kansas in the mid-30s to around 40. And with this cold front ushering in some strong north winds, that is uh, lowering that wind chill all the way down to the upper teens to low twenty upper teens to low twenties across much of the area, including right now a wind chill of fourteen in Kearney and also sixteen on the wind chill in the Ord and Broken Bow area. Yes, it is April nineteenth, but hard to believe right now. Especially after what we all encountered yesterday. I mean, yesterday was just gorgeous. Yeah, many locations hitting into the mid to upper 60s, so a big switch around. And uh, once again, that tug of war between winter and summer continuing across the area. Winter winning today. And unfortunately, some areas could see some decent amount of snowfall in the next 24 hours. Yeah, we saw some uh, snowfall accumulations across much of northern Nebraska this morning, around 4 to 7 inches. That snow gradually sliding to the southeast. And a lot of the snow scattered in areas is north of the interstate all the way from Ogallala to Omaha as that continues to sink to the south and it's expected to intensify as the day goes on. We do have some winter weather advisories already in effect. Uh, first off, winter storm warnings in northern areas of Nebraska right now from Valentine to Ainsworth is still a winter storm warning until 1 o'clock central time for accumulations of snow of 4 to 8 inches. Looks like that will be allowed to expire since the snow is now tapering off and moving well to the south. Winter weather advisory also remains in effect from western Cherry County to Shadron through 7 this evening for snow accumulations of 1 to 3 inches. Winter weather advisory in effect in far southern Nebraska from Red Cloud to Fall City and also points south and east from Phillipsburg. That advisory 10 this evening until 9 tomorrow morning. Snow accumulations ranging about 2 to 4 inches and some higher amounts on grassy and elevated surfaces. We do have more on that advisory and also the latest snowfall forecast pop on our KRV enforcement. Facebook page. In behind the passing of a strong cold front, our temperatures today 25 degrees colder than normal. Those north winds adding to the chill, gusting to around 30. Areas of snow and some rain will continue to sink south and start to intensify as we move through the afternoon through tonight. Most of the snow accumulation is going to be range 1 to 4 inches, probably going to be much milder impact in the system that we saw on Thursday. Liquid precipitation totals will be light, mostly only ranging about a tenth to a quarter of an inch. Inch. Our sky is clear for tomorrow as high pressure builds in from the west. It will be freezing with temperatures tomorrow 15 degrees below average, but hard freezes will continue with overnight lows in the 20s for tomorrow night and Wednesday night. A slight chance of some light rain and snow with the weak disturbance passing through on Thursday through Thursday night. After that, dry with the warming trend for Friday through the weekend. Highs will warm from seasonal on Friday to Saturday to 10 degrees above average by Sunday. In our long-term forecast, those warmer temperatures are going to stick around. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be seasonal or slightly warmer than normal this weekend through the first two days of May. Central Nebraska averaged highs during late April through early May, usually in the mid to upper 60s with average overnight lows in the low 40s. Should be an ideal time to get field work underway and into high gear with a prediction of below normal rainfall this weekend through May 2nd in Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning in the upper 30s from north-central Nebraska into the Panhandle. All other soil temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas in the low half of the 40s. Key weather factors impacting the markets include a harsh cold wave from the central U.S. and continued minimal rain for winter corn areas of Brazil. Tomorrow night into Wednesday morning, freezes will extend as far south as northern Texas. Texas. 
the Mid-South and the Lower Midwest, with the potential to cause freeze entry to winter wheat in the jointing and heading stage, as well as early planted corn. Before the coldest weather arrives, accumulating snow falling in several areas, including parts of the Central Plains, Lower Midwest, and Interior Northeast, but five-day precipitation totals will be less than an inch. The Northern Plains remain mostly dry, except for a swath of snow in the South Sector. Drought well established in much of the Northern Plains. Temperatures well below normal will keep the spring field work delayed in addition to the snow. Most of the Brazil winter corn areas forecast to see only light rain this week, a pattern not favorable for the winter corn crop. Across Argentina, widespread rain the next five days, causing a new round of harvest delays. So I don't want to get ahead of myself here because uh, we all know what can happen here in the Midwest. But it looks like, and it sounds like, if we get through Wednesday, Thursday, we're kind of back to seasonal temperatures for the foreseeable future. Exactly. Yeah, some above normal temperatures, as uh, slightly above normal temperatures, looks like the will be the pattern through at least the 2nd of May. So next week looking rather ideal. And usually, yeah, if you can get past May first, <laughs> even though we can see some cold stuff up through mid-May, right. uh, but things are looking up and up right now. So possibly, and I don't want to jinx everybody here, this could be our last little bout of snow this week. Yes, and once again, it looks to be a pretty low-impact system. A lot of it moving through today into this evening before it does taper off in the overnight. So probably not as much heavy snow as some people did say last uh, Thursday. Okay. And this one, this system also not packing as much moisture until it does move well to the southeast. That system last week had a lot more moisture because it was an area of low pressure coming out of the southwest. Not as much snow as predicted. I don't think anybody's complaining about <laughs> no that. No doubt, yeah. All right, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. The Kansas Beef Council had the opportunity to present some information to a whole group of chefs at the Greater Kansas City Chefs Association monthly meetings. And today we're learning more with Sharla Huseman. She's the director of marketing for the Kansas Beef Council. Sharla, tell us a little bit more about what you guys were doing at these meetings. That's right, Alex. We, uh, the Kansas Beef Council, were asked to be part of the both the March and the April Greater Kansas City Chefs Association monthly meetings and have a part uh, during their education sessions of those meetings. In March, we were still in a virtual format, which was, which was better than nothing, and we did a cutting demo of the top sirloin and just talked about alternative ways that we can use the top sirloin and think about it for, for use on the menu. And so we started by removing the top sirloin cap. And if you've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse and they bring around the skewers of meat and sometimes they say this is a beef sirloin, that's the sirloin cap that they skewer and do on a rotisserie and then slice off at the table. And uh, in, in traditional Mexican or Brazilian um, cuisine, that's called the picanha steak. So that is a, a fun one um, to, to introduce and to talk about because we're starting to see that cut more and more on menus. So that was what we did um, during the March virtual meeting. And then in April, which, which was just earlier this week, we had the opportunity for a face-to-face meeting. The focus of that education was on smoking meats. And typically when we think about beef and smoking beef, um, our minds go to the brisket. And what we were able to do at this meeting was to address some of the challenges that that many chefs and operators face when they're um, 
looking at, at doing setting up their menus or looking at banquets and catering opportunities. Um, sometimes price is a limiting factor as well as availability. So uh, what we did was just present some alternative beef cuts that are excellent for use on a commercial smoker. So those cuts that we looked at and talked about were the tri-tip and again back to the sirloin cap or that um, uh, picanha steak that, that we had demonstrated and done the cutting demo on back in March, um, the chuck flap, also the shoulder clawed heart, and then chuck short ribs. Those are all excellent alternatives and additional cuts that you can do, and they perform great on a smoker. And just for context, we were talking before we came on air that um, these chefs are really preparing food for a lot of people. They're more like catering chefs. What sort of feedback were you getting from the participants there? So at the conclusion, when we t- asked for questions and everything, you know, they did say th- these are great options to know about because, like I said earlier, they and they even addressed our minds go to brisket when we think about beef and smoking. And so just to arm them with this additional information and resources that we have available on beefatswitchfordinner.com, um, on these different beef cuts, those are great things for them to have in the rotation as they look for menu planning. And again, hopefully we're also getting closer to them being able to do more banquets and catering events this summer. Great information, Charla. Thanks so much. That again is Charla Huseman joining us. She's the Director of Marketing for the Kansas Beef Council. From the Nebraska's Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen back in the studio and Big Husker volleyball game with uh, a somewhat familiar foe for the Huskers. The evil empire of Texas stands in front of Nebraska today as the uh, Huskers look to win in the regional finals and head on to the final four. Nebraska was able to sweep Baylor yesterday. and Well, they did it due to a strong service game that yielded several aces, and head coach John Cook says that was a key. Well, one thing we, we've learned is when you get in these big matches at this time of year, you got to be a great serving team. And... I think that probably was the difference in this match was Baylor serving. They missed a lot early, uh, and uh, and we were really pressuring them with our serve. I mean, you can only think of a couple times where we weren't pressuring them. And the Huskers yesterday were dealing out aces from the bottom of the deck. Now, they will play at the end of the match that's going on right now. Pittsburgh is up two sets to none over Washington. That Nebraska-Texas match will start 45 minutes at the conclusion of that one, so that starting time could be floating a little bit, depending upon how long that first match goes. When it starts, we'll have it for you on Cami Country and KUVR and Go Big Red. Are they still playing in a ballroom right now? No, they're actually in an arena today. Okay. So you All can right. stop with your mean tweets, <laughs> and uh, it actually looks like a legitimate match. Mean tweets. <laughs> they moved on. The UNK volleyball team swept UCO and down Northwest Missouri in five sets to win the MIAA Spring Tournament on Saturday night in Topeka. While the tournament doesn't officially count in the school record books, head coach Rick Squires is glad they won it. I got asked a lot of times, I mean, you know, what are you playing for? And 
there's no tournament and all those things. And, and those things were true on one hand. But the volleyball that was played this weekend, I've never seen kids compete so hard. I mean, they didn't care. It, it looked like the regional final. It felt like the regional final. It felt like kids who were playing in the national tournament. Matty Squires was chosen as the MVP of the tournament. Despite being banged up since the season started in February, UNK went 16-3. and mm-hmm. If you'd like to hear my complete interview with Coach Squires, you can find that on the podcast page at krvn.com. Nebraska men's basketball added its second top 100 transfer of the spring as Keon Edwards announced he'll join the Huskers. Six foot seven, 185-pounder who started out his career at DePaul. He played in five games against that year back. He'll have four years of eligibility. He was considered to be a top 50 recruit coming out of high school. So we'll see. Yet again, we're going to need flashcards to go oh, through yeah. all the names uh, before next year. Although, if you were as bad as Nebraska's been the last couple of years, you cannot blame Coach mm-hmm. Hoiberg for reshuffling and remodeling the uh, the roster. And with a mere 148 games left in the regular season, I might not be able to say this again, the Kansas City Royals have the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball at 9-5. and five. They'll start a series tonight, weather permitting, at home against Tampa Bay. They should be able to get that in, I think, right? I hope so. It's 50s right now in Kansas City. No no storms quite yet. A little chilly. Uh, they've actually done a nice job. They haven't played all that great. Uh, but still, they're nine and five. Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield have played like all stars. Starting pitching's rounding into form, and the bullpen's been pretty good. They made some offseason moves. I think they were kind of anticipating to be a decent team. It's a tough American League Central. We'll see if they can keep it up. At least they haven't killed themselves in the first three weeks of the year. Unlike the Rockies. Yeah, unlike the Rockies. All right. Thank you very much. It's time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder has stepped in and another busy weekend in the news world. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Uh, That's for sure. Well, state health officials say the highly contagious variant of COVID first found in South Africa has now been found in Nebraska. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services says that the first case of the variant was recently confirmed in a Lancaster County resident. News of the discovery of the variant comes, as the agency says, about 524,000 people, or just over 35% of Nebraskans, have been fully vaccinated. Everyone 16 and older in Nebraska is now eligible to be vaccinated against the coronavirus. Well, over the weekend, University of Nebraska Kearney students weren't going to let the weather spoil their weekend plans. After COVID canceled the big event in 2020, they were determined to bring back the annual community service project, even if it meant working in the rain and cold. The largest single-day service project at UNK, the big event is organized each year as a way to give back to the community and say thanks for all the support of Kearney area residents. Following a one-year hiatus, the roughly 600 students spread out across more than 50 locations to tackle jobs ranging from spring cleaning and litter cleanup to yard work and construction. They even built a shed and moved furniture and created goodie bags for teachers. And they also uh, assisted local churches, nonprofits, and individual residents. News outlets that want to attend Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts' press conferences will have to answer detailed questions about their business model and submit a notarized letter 
from a manager before they'll be given access to ask questions under a new policy. The governor's office announced the policy after a reporter from an Omaha-based online news outlet said the governor's office ignored her emailed questions and eventually shut her out of a March 31st press conference that she tried to attend in person. The incident prompted Nebraska's two largest newspapers, the Omaha World-Herald and Lincoln Journal-Star, to publish a joint editorial criticizing the decision as an affront to free press rights and a political move by the conservative Republican governor. Firefighters in south-central Kansas say one person was taken to a hospital for treatment of smoke inhalation early today after a fire that started in a camper parked in a driveway spread to the home. It was reported around 3 a.m. in Hutchinson. Firefighters arrived to find a camper engulfed in flames in the home's driveway, and it spread to the exterior of the home and into the home's attic. Two people were home at the time of the fire, with one suffering from smoke inhalation. The fire was quickly brought under control. No word onto the cause. And reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Excitement is building at Midland University as they get ready to welcome students next fall for an agribusiness program. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I caught up with Nick Schreck. Nick is chair of the undergraduate business program at Midland University as we talked about agribusiness. It's so exciting. We, you know, we're Midland, Midland is located in Fremont, Nebraska. And, you know, Fremont, just like most of Nebraska, is surrounded by uh, the ag community. And so this was this was such a great addition to the campus, such a great addition to our community, and hopefully a great addition to Nebraska. Tell me a little bit about the agribusiness program that you guys are going to offer through Midland. Yeah, we we looked around at, at different programs in the state. Nebraska, Nebraska colleges and universities are doing a great job in, in educating students on on the ag industry. And you know, we, we looked around and we said, oh, you know what? There's some great experiences at other colleges. Um, but, you know, we wanted to do it a little bit different. You know, we know that we attract um, a kind of student that is interested in continuing to do something that they love. Um, for most of our students, that means sports or arts. And we know that we have a pretty fantastic science program and a pretty fantastic business program. And when we looked around at the other schools, there was a lot of focus on science and that's wonderful. But there were there are some tremendous opportunities in, in on the business side of agriculture, and we think that that's where we can produce some really great uh, uh, like leaders in in the community. What I think is unique as well is the fact that you guys are bringing in the outside real world into the classroom. And and from what I was reading, that students are going to have the chance to spend time with producers to really find out what it's like. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, you know, Fremont's uh, situation in in the ag community. You know, we have so many great uh, businesses and producers and growers in the area, and we wanted our students to spend time with them. You know, we think that sometimes it's it's kind of hard to get the concepts and apply them when you're sitting in a classroom all day. We want you to be out in the field, uh, quite quite literally, and making sure that you're learning those concepts and applying them right away. And sometimes it's going to go, you know, the other direction too. You're going to learn about something out in the field and say, "Oh, you know what? This is how it comes into play in the classroom too." It's going to be a tremendous experience for our students. 
So what does the curriculum all entail at this point? Yeah, so students are going to take, you know, some some basics in business. They're going to take uh, principles of management. They're going to take some business communication, some business software, uh, some accounting. Uh, but they're also going to take some science. They're going to take some biology. They're going to take, um, you know, uh, animal science. They're going to take agronomy. Uh, they're going to take a commodity value chain class, uh, but, you know, sort of the, the upper level coursework that they're going to take are practicums and practicums are experiential courses where students are out in the field working with businesses. And so we have practicums in five different areas. We have them in crop production, farm management, finance, sales and marketing and animal production. And so students will be placed with a business, a grower, a producer in one of those areas that aligns with that, that practicum area. And they are going to work with them alongside them to make sure that they get to learn that new content and apply it immediately. We're pretty excited about that. Well, what excites you personally about this program that you guys are offering through Midland? Yeah, I, I think we did something somewhat unique in that, you know, when we built it, the first thing we did was ask area businesses, area producers, um, what they thought college graduates needed to be able to do. So at Midland, we're pretty um, serious about what's called the marketplace back approach. So what do businesses need? How can colleges fill that need? And so we did that prior to looking at what other schools were necessarily doing with their curriculum. And so in that, we wanted to be more focused on preparing those students for the workforce. And so we have something now that area businesses, area growers, they're excited about because they know that their feedback was directly implemented and helped create our program. It is, I, I can't imagine the excitement that is building as this all comes together. Do you already have students involved in the agribusiness program? We do. We have several students coming in to be freshmen next year because of the program. And we have several current students that wanted to be in agribusiness, but we didn't have that program yet. And so they've changed their major and we're going to work really hard to get them out um, on time as possible. So is enrollment open right now for this next Enrollment week? is open. Yep. And we have some great scholarships uh, for agribusiness right now. We're going to um, award uh, up to over a million dollars in scholarships for students that want to be in ag. Um, and so we want them, you know, fall 2021, if, if they're still looking, they haven't found their college home yet, Midland could be a great option for them. Wonderful. And again, if they want to find out more information, Nick, where do they need to go? Yeah, they can go to www.midlandu.edu. And um, there's a link there to start the application process, or they can contact me directly. And I'd love to help get them started. I guess. And finally, if there's a producer out there or somebody in agribusiness that says, hey, I want to help out in this program, um, I want to share my experiences, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, you know, a great starting point is just to connect with me directly. I'd love to, to help out anyone we can and, and get them connected. Uh, my email address is shrek at midlandu.edu, S-C-H-R-E-C-K at midlandu.edu. And I want to help out anyone that we can, however we can. Well, Nick, thanks for taking some time. Talk to us about the new agribusiness program at Midland University. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Nick Shrek is joining us. He, again, is the chair of the undergrad business at Midland University. Check it out. The website's got some great information about the agribusiness program as well. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With Business Report for Monday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks were broadly lower in afternoon trading, easing off of more record highs from last week. The S&P 500 index was down six-tenths of a percent, 
Most of investors' attention will turn to earnings as the busiest time for quarterly, quarterly results will be this week and next. The British government has asked regulatory authorities to investigate the proposed takeover of computer chip design firm Arm Holdings by the U.S. tech firm NVIDIA, citing national security grounds as one of its concerns. In a statement, Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden ordered the U.K.'s independent competition watchdog to begin a so-called Phase 1 investigation of the $40 billion deal. Meanwhile, British authorities are exploring the possibility of creating a new digital currency that the Treasury chief indicates could become commonly known as Britcoin. The Bank of England and the Treasury say they will work together to assess the benefits of a central bank digital currency at a time when cash payments are generally on the decline. There are two winners of a $20 million contest to make products from carbon dioxide emitted by power plants, both made concrete that trapped the greenhouse gas so it can't contribute to climate change. XPRIZE organized the contest at a coal-fired plant in Wyoming and a gas-fired plant in Alberta. XPRIZE says Los Angeles-based Carbon Built and Dartmouth, Nova Scotia-based Carbon Cure Technologies will share $15 million. The other $5 million went to 10 finalists in 2018. On Thursday, XPRIZE will launch a $100 million contest backed by entrepreneur Elon Musk to capture vast amounts of carbon dioxide straight from the atmosphere. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Welcome to another edition of Ag Series brought to you by Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture and Tyson. We're talking with Joyce Entz of Mason City, who has lived on the ranch most of her life, except when she was at college at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Joyce, your husband Daryl nominated you as you had a pretty normal farm life until Easter Sunday, 2009. Tell us what happened. Yes, I had a, a massive um, heart attack, and by the time they got me into the operating room, uh, my organs had shut down, and uh, I don't know if you'd call it clinically dead, but almost there. And they really didn't expect me to come out of it. 25% of my heart is dead. It's gone. So they kept telling me, you know, exercise, exercise, exercise. And because it's a heart muscle, is a muscle, and it will come back if it's not dead. I tried walking. That was boring. Treadmill was yuck, you know. Um, at that time, my youngest daughter, who was really into horses, we had got her a little rainer and I was taking her around to the shows and um, kind of enjoying that aspect of it. And one day, Daryl said, we need to get you a horse. So how did you go about finding a horse that suited your needs? It had to be a certain criteria. It had to be smooth. I had to be able to ride it. I had no leg. So it had to be not one horse. It had to push. We looked and we looked and we looked. And finally just said, pray, Lord, if you want me to have a horse, you're going to have to drop it in my backyard. Well, the next day, the trainer that our daughter was riding with called and said, um, I have a trainer who's dropping a horse off at my place, and I think it might be a good one for you. And um, that wasn't exactly my backyard, but it was pretty close. So, um, yeah, we ended up buying her, and she's been the horse that I've had for nine years now. Joyce, once you and Montana started competing, what led you into the ranch riding and ranch performance riding? That's when we started to click. She was kind of built for that. 
and I understood that. Um, I understood that concept of the horse moving out and forward, and and um, I enjoyed the challenge of the different patterns. And so we started being we started being rather competitive. Um, we've qualified for the world. I think the last six years we've qualified. I uh, went to the select worlds uh, three times, and two of those times finished in the top thirteen twice. And then we went, and then we started doing the versatility ranch riding, and we went to the world show of that, and we placed in the top ten. I know you've had some recent setbacks with an open heart surgery, two back surgeries to fuse vertebrae, both hips replaced, and carpal tunnel surgery. But Joyce, I understand you still do a lot on the farm and with area youth. I'm the show superintendent for 4-H uh, Fair, and these ranch riding classes are starting to come into the 4-H uh, realm, and I think that's a great suit for this county. To them, showing is just your typical Western pleasure horsemanship type classes, and the, and the kids and the horses in this area just don't fit that realm. They're ranch kids, and they have ranch horses. So I'm enjoying the challenge and the aspect of uh, increasing the 4-H realm in the horse area, and I do a lot of work with kids in different areas. Joyce, thanks for visiting with us. We'll continue our Women in Ag series brought to you by Tyson and Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture throughout this week. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Ag- senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and published really the newsletter this week in Grain. As we look at the closing grain futures, another strong day of gains for both corn and soybeans, even out into the wheat complex. Really, we continue to focus on supply issues, whether it be in South America or potential supply issues coming up in North America. John, where do we hit, where do we hit it or what do we look for to know when demand rationing happens at these higher price levels? It's going to be tough, you know. Uh, the export market's kind of slow anyway, so to watch those is, is probably not a very good indicator. I really think you watch the wheat markets here, and the FOB price is paid by some of these North African countries for wheat. If they're thirty, forty dollars per metric ton above where they are uh, have been a year ago, and, and I'd say we're closer to fifty dollars a metric ton, you can tack on like a dollar, an hour and a half to wheat from four dollars. So we're looking at five sixty, five sixty low for wheat, and then that puts uh, you know. Floor and under July wheat at five six or July corn is five sixty and eventually I think you're going to need to see the deferred contracts like December not not right away but eventually we'll trade even with the December wheat contract which is north of six dollars so um, a lot of that will depend on weather of course but the short term story in Brazil is, is is the prices are breaking records there um, they're trading almost three times the levels where they were a year ago within Brazil so they need supply badly and. You know, from what I hear, and I'm not an expert on agronomy, but you, you could see a 20% write down in yield. Well, that essentially would be 20% from 109. I mean, you're looking at close to a you know 85 million metric ton crop, which is going to leave the world very short for the next nine months and put a lot of pressure on the U.S. producer. And I think that's why you've seen December contracts move a little higher here in the near term to get acreage. But I think the move coming is in May, and I, I even July as well. I think that there's there's a blow off top that'll happen before this thing turns. 
And you're talking about the the fact that Brazil could lose that production. So then when we look at North America, we're getting out early crop progress reports. Really, it's basically just giving us the wheat condition, but those topsoil, subsoil moisture ratings, are they more critical now at this point, just given the fact we're trying to encourage acres in different areas? Oh, boy, I don't know. I can't sit on the radio here and tell you that I'm for sure knowing what's going to happen in these crop progress reports. They are subjective at best. Uh, I think at this point in time, if you're going to take anything, maybe you look at spring wheat per uh, planting progress that might indicate something as far as what's happening in the northwestern part of the belt um, but at this point in time the real weather problems are, are you know six weeks down the road as far as what the forecast will show uh, i think we'll assume that planting will get in and um, acreage is going to be higher in corn the question is really what what is that going to buy in the future that is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do you remember trading future options involve risk of loss? Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. You can catch the Midday podcast in its entirety, sponsored by Devenny Motors. That's at krvn.com, or you can find it wherever podcasts are available. By the way, if you're looking for the Husker volleyball game and the regional final, the NCAA tournament, that is not going to happen likely for another hour or so. They were saying it was going to be 45 minutes after the match that's happening right now between Washington and Pittsburgh State. But they're just now going to a fifth set as Washington came back after falling two sets to none early and winning the next two sets, just took the fourth set, 26-24. So now they will head to a fifth and final set. So they said 45 minutes after the match is done. So you got to give it at least probably a good 15 minutes or so for this one to wrap up. And then 45 minutes probably starts from there. That's probably 15 minutes at the low end, maybe longer. We'll see. It may be shorter. We'll see. But... They are just about ready to start the fifth set at the uh, National Tournament there in Omaha. Uh, by the way, they are playing in the uh, the arena, actually, now instead of a ballroom. So at least they're upgrading a little bit there. Uh, anyway, it's Pitt, and it'll be Washington getting ready to start this fifth and final set. So again, you have about an hour until the first set of Nebraska and Texas and the other regional final so look right around 2.30-ish before that one gets started. And once it gets started, that one will be over on Kami Country. So there you go. Just getting you all caught up on uh, what's going to happen about an hour from now, likely between Nebraska and Texas, maybe longer, maybe a tiny bit shorter, but you could plan on probably 2.30 around uh, first set or first serve, I should say, between Nebraska and Texas. Again, all that action over on Kami Country.